the same God. I think so many times, you know, I, I say this from up here, that we read the Bible, we see the stories, it is the same God, the same God. And so I don't know if that doesn't blow your mind. That blows my mind every time I wake up, every time I take a breath. Does it blow your mind? You're like, yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes we take that for granted, you guys. We, we, we have the God, the rock of ages, the hope. He is faithful. Amen? Amen. And sometimes our lives super suck, and we don't know how we're going to move on, and we don't know how to forge forward. We don't know. But we, we have the same God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you are glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here today. My name is Melody, and I am one of the pastors here at New Song, and I'm happy to be here with you. I have to say, I have really felt the love this morning. I was ill last week. Actually, our family was supposed to be on vacation last week. And that got canceled. Um, but I was ill last week. I had strep throat, and um, I was just not feeling well. And so many of you have asked me, how are you doing? Are you better? Are you this? Are you that? And I I'm just feel loved. And I'm like, oh, my people. So uh, just welcome to this place where we care for each other, where we say, hey, how's it going? How are you feeling? I noticed you weren't here. Hey, whatever it is. So thank you guys for being that community here. Amen to that? Amen to that. I'm going to have you say amen to that. I don't know. I'm feeling a little charismatic today. I don't know. Thank you. All righty. Well, just a couple of things. If you are visiting us today, uh, there is a little connect card in the seat back pocket in front of you. And if you want to fill that out and you want to hand it to me at the end of service or to Grant or um, there's some boxes outside on the wall, or there's a freestanding little offering box. There's several places you can put that. You can put a prayer request. And that's another thing we do here. We pray. We pray, and amen to that. I caught someone. I don't see her now. I caught someone on the way in. I said, I have your card, like, on my little, um, I call it a credenza, because that's what my dad called it. Uh, my little thing in my in my office, and I pray for you, and I pray for your sister, and I pray. So if you have something that needs prayer, please fill that out and drop it in the box, or again, put that in our hand, and we will be so happy to partner with you in prayer and to follow up and to see how you're doing. So amen to that. You should just say amen every minute. That'll keep me on track today. All right, so um, <clears throat> a couple of fun things that happened uh, yesterday, yesterday we had an amazing turnout to Costumes Coffee in the courtyard. It was so, so fun. I was um, pulling pantry cars in. There's all our costume participants. Actually, not all of them, but yeah, most of them. Look at those. We had a little Cruella. There's our little Lily and Tara. What else do we got? Our Belle. Where'd she go? Oh, there she is. She made that dress, everybody. The yellow dress right there. And yes, our little costume contest uh, participants. It was so fun. I was pulling in uh, pantry guests as they, because we um, hosted pantry distribution yesterday. And let me tell you, at one point I came into the courtyard and I was like, whoa, where did all these people come from? It was so, so great. So thank you for everyone who participated, who maybe brought a little treat. Um, it was just, it was just such a good time yesterday. And on top of that, like I said, pantry and garden were going at full speed. Yesterday we served 336 people. Wow. It's just incredible. Yeah. 
And so um, this is one of these things that we do every so often where we say, hey, listen, we are a community. Let's get to know each other face to face over perhaps a little pumpkin shaped cookie and a little bit of coffee. So if you missed it, if you missed it, don't feel too sad. Feel a little bit sad because I want you to be sad that you weren't there, okay, because you missed it. But I do want you to mark your calendars for December 16th because that's when we are going to do our big pantry drive-through, um, our Christmas pantry drive-through. So it's December 16th, save that date. You'll get some details in a little bit. So, um, but those were some fun things. One thing we also did this week is you may have seen this in email or text or maybe even um, on social media. We opened this sanctuary on Wednesday night and we said, hey, if you are feeling burdened by what is happening um, overseas or if you need somewhere to come and process your thoughts or just even just come and pray and just be in um, a place. So Grant set up a little thing here where you could come and light a candle. And that was just a beautiful time for some people to come. And we had people from the community, again, some, some people that we haven't seen in a long time. So um, if, if you missed that, because that was um, something that happened this week, we have these little booklets here that are out in the foyer, and um, it's just a little guide for you to pray through, and um, just some time to sit, you know, and uh, just a prayer that, you know, a prayer for peace, and some prayer points, and some good information here. Sometimes, you know, when we're looking at our phones and whatnot, we get flooded with all this information and, and perhaps donate here and make a contribution there or this is how you should pray, that's how you should pray. Well, we have put together this little booklet perhaps if you're feeling a little too flooded with all the information. So please grab one of these. They're in the um, foyer right there. But um, you should also keep an eye out for those times that we are going to open this space for the community, for um, just anyone who wants to come and have a place to sit and to be silent and to be, just have a place to come and sit with their thoughts and to sit with God in prayer. And, um, so just keep an eye out for that. Um, the other thing that is happening this week coming up is that our students, junior high and um, high school, are having their big following event. Why is it called following? Because it is the day following Halloween. <laughs> see? See? See what they did there? So it's what? It's also fall. But I like the first thing better. That's more clever. Um, so Stephen and his leaders have put a lot of effort and a lot of thought into this night. And that is Wednesday night here at 6.30. If you have a student in your life or students, if you want to bring a friend, this is the event to bring a friend. They're going to be, you have to bring a pumpkin. There's going to be a pumpkin decorating, not carving, because I hate that. Who likes to carve a pumpkin? Does anyone really love, do you love it? Really? Okay, I'm the minority here. I don't like it. I don't like the squishy stuff in a pumpkin. So they are good. But this was none of my doing, okay? I, had, I didn't veto the idea. Um, they are going to decorate pumpkins. There's also a dessert uh, competition. So students, bring your, bring your best dessert. 
and there's also a costume competition. So please make sure that if you have a student or if you know a student or, or students, bring your friends, this is the event to do that. It's gonna be a great night. Um, okay, and lastly, uh, women, 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 next week, next week we are having a board meeting, a charcuterie board meeting. Look how clever we are. We're so clever lately. Thank you. Amen. So if you are, if you are, and I want you guys to listen to me because some people missed this last week, uh, you do not have to bring an entire charcuterie board yourself. We are going to do this together because what's my favorite song? We're all in this together. Oh, Ishmael's here. He's not going to be annoyed by my singing. Um... We are taking sign-ups, sign-ups to bring cheese or jam or crackers or whatever. I have three sign-up sheets for you to sign up on. And we want to make this a really great night. We're going to do something really fun at the event. So you don't want to miss this night. So again, I sat across someone on Friday night chatting with them about our church and our community and what we think about um, you know, the events we do. And I say, you know what? It's not just an event to be an event. This has a purpose. This has a purpose for us to make relationship, for us to be able to invite someone to something safe. Or maybe, you know, there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance, but you know what? There's a purpose behind it. There's prayer behind it. There's cheese and jam behind it for this one. But it's an event to, you know, just get to know perhaps someone a little bit more or someone to get to know you a little bit more. So I want you guys to please sign up for that today. Me and some of my team are going to be right outside and we are going to be taking your signups right afterwards. All right, I am going to um, move on and we are going to pray for the rest of our gathering today. Amen to that. Amen to that. And um, before, I, before I do that, I just, if you are visiting with us today, or perhaps, you know, this is something that um, someone else, the same person asked me Friday night, hey, what does it mean to be a part of a new song, and what, is, what does membership mean, what does this mean, what does that, and I say, you know what, the hope, the hope is that if you are in this seat on a Sunday morning, it's because you believe in the mission and the vision of new song. It's because, thank you, it's because right there we believe in being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And that's not just like, oh, let's have a good attitude and look nice on Sunday. No, that means transformed by the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our minds. And we want to follow Jesus. We want to love people the way Jesus loved people. We want to love each other and we want to do good. And not just with each other again on a Sunday morning, just in all the things we do, in all the ministries, in all the things that are carried out during the week, the big and the small. And so if you guys will pray for me, pray, well, sure, pray for me, pray with me. Someone said, of course, over here, who said that? You did. Thank you. Keep praying for I need prayer every day. Um, but we believe this with our hearts and our full efforts. And, um, and I did tell, you know, this, this person on Friday, I said, I just love what I get to do. I love what I get to do because I want someone else to see that there's hope, there's joy. There's hard stuff in this life. Amen? 
There's hard stuff, and there's days where we just don't know how to press on. But we have Jesus. We have each other. And so if you are in this seat on a Sunday morning, I'm going to believe that you believe that. You believe in the mission and the vision, and you want to be a partner to that. So there's all sorts of ways to get involved. And, of course, we have to mention, because it is part of the business of doing church, that we partner together also in our giving we partner together. These things take, um, you know, money. These things take planning. These things take effort. And so please don't forget to do that on a regular basis. We do not pass the baskets here. We don't pass the baskets because we don't, we don't want to know who's doing what. We trust who's doing what. And we believe that this mission and vision we are on, Jesus has put us on, and whatever is given is used for that purpose. So please don't forget to do that. There's two boxes in the foyer there. There's a freestanding one and there's one on the wall. Let's pray for the rest of our gathering and for Pastor Grant this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for this morning, God. Thank you for such, such, such a positive event yesterday and just the amount of people that showed up, the amount of people that brought the snickerdoodle bars and the pumpkin cookies and the muffins and just all the things. Lord, thank you for so much participation. Thank you for people who had fun and showed up in their costumes. And Lord, just what, what a wonderful thing to be able to do that while we serve 336 people at the pantry line, Lord. Lord, thank you for the garden that provides nourishment that goes in that same pantry distribution, Lord. Thank you for just the ability to buy half and half to serve with coffee that we're serving to the community yesterday, Lord. Lord, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your hand in what it is we are doing here, Lord. We pray that as we press on and as we, we look to you, God, Lord, that we would continually be transformed by you, God, that our focus would be on you, that our efforts would be for your honor and your glory, God. We believe that, Lord. Turn our heads toward what you would turn our heads to, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we uh, continue on this morning, God, thank you for every single person who is here, new, not so new, come, haven't come in a while, whatever the situation is, God, thank you for every single person who is here, God. God, I pray that as Grant takes the microphone and brings us the message, God, God, bless him as he has taken time, as he has taken prayer, as he has prepared for this message today. God, thank you for the worship team. Thank you for the sound team, for the people taking care of the little ones out in the buildings, Lord. Lord, thank you just for every single aspect that goes into what we call New Song Church this morning. Lord, thank you, and I ask for your presence to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Shall we? Thanks, Mel. We shall. Amen. <laughs> Cheers, Mel. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Never see people. I don't see people's faces. Oh, there you are. Just checking. Just checking that you're here. No. Um, so um, we're in Hebrews. Uh, we're in. We're almost done. We've got. I don't know, a few more weeks. Advent begins uh, end of November, and we will be finished with this amazing book. It's been a good journey. It um, focuses fully on Christ, all that he is, again and again and again and again. The author points us towards the sufficiency uh, and the power 
to keep us, to save us, to transform us, to comfort us that is found in Jesus Christ. And we are continuing on. We're in chapter 12, and we're going to study the first 11 verses. Uh, You may not have heard of this man, but you may have heard uh, something that he said or wrote. He was a philosopher, and he wrote these words. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It feels like we said this a lot, and we seem to keep repeating it as human beings in this world and even in our own lives. Uh, We are slow sometimes to learn from the past. And the best history that we can read should inform us and guide us in what we do now. That's one of the greatest values of our perspective that is historical, is to see how we might now live in light of what we have learned. That's ideally what life should be. You know, us older people should be wiser, correct? Not always the case, but uh, uh, last week we did some history. We did this hall of fame or hall of faith, this whole section, one of the largest sections in the book of Hebrews, this sweep of history, of time, of all these people, men and women who trusted and obeyed and followed God through all sorts of times in culture and history, uh, challenges that they faced, and imperfectly trusted in the one who had called them in so many different ways. And now we're, we're getting into this next section, which is we've understood perhaps the history, so what does it mean for us now? And the author begins with that word, therefore. Therefore. So we're going to read, I'm just going to read the, the first 11 verses of chapter 12. It should be on the screen, and if you have a Bible, feel free to follow along in, in, your, in the word. This is the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And that is a quote from Uh, the Old Testament from the book of Proverbs. Uh, This is really a sermon, and in your own sermon, sometimes we quote scripture, and this is interesting, this person's writing what will become the word of God, and he's quoting uh, an Old Testament reference. He goes on to say, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So the main point of this whole section is is simply this, that because Christ has run the race to its completion 
and has sat down at the right hand of God, we too can run the race. We can run the race because Christ has run the race ahead of us. So four points here of what we have to enable us to, to, to accomplish this. The first thing is we have a track, we have a path, we have a, a road laid before us. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Any runners in here today? Anyone who's a runner? Farid's a runner, yeah. Lily likes to run. Linda, that's fun. You guys, I love it that you're saying that. Terry's a runner. Any other runners? Yep, okay. Wow, I'm really kind of surprised. But uh, Ron's nose runs a lot. That's funny. So um, I, this, is, this is all about running. Here's an image of, uh, right, this beautiful, state-of-the-art, spongy, good for your ankles, whatever, racetrack, right? Aren't they a bit spongy for, I've, I've never run, I don't run, so. But is this a good image for the type of race or path or track that this author's talking about, do you think? Just, just the, the, well, I actually, like I said, I, I don't run unless I'm being chased, which is not that often anymore since I married Rona. Um, but when I was in high school, I actually did some cross-country running for a couple of years. And the main reason why my friends, at least, signed up for cross-country running, because the course that you took actually went off the school grounds and into a forest where you were out of sight of the school, and therefore you had some time to stop and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Which kind of defeats the point, really. So there's all these cross-country runners huddled together trying to light their cigarettes in the torrential rain. So this was more like the track that, that we're talking about, the author, right? It's this, this is, if he's describing life as this race that we run, I think this is probably more in keeping with the, terror, to the terrain of our lives. And I'd say you can't really claim to be a cross-country runner until you've run in the northeast of Scotland in January where the sleet is smashing like needles into your thighs and your face. Um, but that's kind of moral it was like, because what does it say? It says Hebrews chapter one, verse one says, sorry, chapter 12, verse one, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Something requires perseverance. There are obstacles, there are impediments towards forward motion. And clearly the author is stating that this is gonna happen. It's gonna be hard. Have you ever been hiking? or gone hiking when you had to spend more than one day out in the, wherever you're going, and had to pack everything you needed, right? Like one pound of difference in your pack makes a lot of difference over miles, doesn't it? Have you ever tried to take a shortcut through the woods, and by the time you made it out of there, you were covered in cobwebs, stickers, seeds of all kinds? This is kind of the image, it's like as you're going, or have you ever been in such mud that you ended up like stacked glam rock high heels because the mud just keeps accumulating, you know? It's just, this is not a pleasant, easy stroll in the, in the meadow. This is a race, a long foot race through terrain that is challenging and that which clings to you. What might these burdens or these sins be in real life? What might that look like? It could be many things. It could be simply an attractive side road that looks much better than the one you're on, and that 
happens a lot. In Scotland, you know, you go for a long walk and you'll be like exhausted and in the middle of nowhere, you'll be this beautiful little pub. And you're like, you know, we were going to walk to like the next valley, but you know, maybe we'll just stop in here for a little while and take a break. There's so many other ways we can go. There are so many attractive paths. And there, at regular junctions, there'll be people who will commend the route to you. This is the way to be human. This is the way to go. This is the way to get that which you hope for, whatever that might be, comfort, safety, security, love. And as Fleetwood Mac say so well, you can go your own way, right? We should do that song sometime here. Any different direction to power, to fame, to wealth, the things that Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the, in the wilderness when he was walking this path of temptation and struggle and deprivation and the enemy came and said, if you would do this, then you will get this. And Jesus said, the word of God says this, I will stand by this. Or looking back, turning back, turning around. That's what these people were struggling with. They were getting weary of this walk, this race, and they were tempted to turn back. Or just simply lying down in a meadow and falling asleep. Remember the Wizard of Oz when they ended up in this field of poppies and little Dorothy fell asleep and thankfully a couple of the uh, other characters had the wits about them to pull her out. She just lay down. So this, this race requires perseverance, endurance, discipline. It's not easy. But thankfully we have... <clears throat> some help here. The second point is we have a good father. You know, that's, that's a difficult, you know, thing to talk about sometimes in church, isn't it? We read the scriptures and we, we, we can sometimes see our own father and it doesn't make sense. God as father is unlike any earthly father you could ever experience. It is a metaphor, but it can only go so far. We have a good father. Hebrews chapter 12, verse five, the writer says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? that addresses you as a father addresses his son or daughter. We have a good father. And as a pastor of mine used to say, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you far too much to leave you just as you are. God loves you just as you are, as you sit here today, but he loves you far too much to leave you just as you are. And so this text talks about this word discipline, that a good father, in order for his children to become independently acting in healthy, positive ways, when they know practically nothing about how the world works, a good father will exercise some form of discipline, of boundaries, of encouragement and guidance, and it includes so many different aspects of what it means to be a parent. And we do it badly. I'm going to say, I'm 54, I've got two kids, and I look back. And I can see so many mistakes I made, but I'm nothing like God. My, father, my parenting was nothing like God's parenting. And it's not surprising that we are called into this to, to embrace a form of discipline since we are called to be his disciples. Disciples are going to encounter discipline. And there's several ways that this, this idea of discipline, the things we encounter in life have meaning because we have a good father. And there are three aspects, the author says. The first is that it proves that we're his children. There is a process happening from a loving father to his children. The second is that it actually will give us life. To be without discipline inevitably leads to ruin, to destruction, to chaos. And God wants us to have life. 
And the third thing is all of this is for our ultimate good because he is a good father. As the song says, he's a double good father. You know that song? But here's the thing, from our perspective, it, it does, it's hard to understand that when you're in the thick of it, when things are difficult, when you're just grieving, you can't even see straight, never mind think about the theological fact of God as good father and it's all okay. It just seems from our perspective in the valley to be like meaningless struggle. Where are you, God? It's like I always think about this. It's like when you're sick, when you're ill, like really ill, you cannot imagine what it's like to be well. You know that feeling? It feels like this is it now. Whether it's a physical thing or it's a virus, whatever, you just feel like, I am, this is my life. It's easy to despair. But when you're well and everything is wonderful, you never felt so good, it's really hard to imagine what it's like to be really sick. It's kind of the way we work. And we're in the race. It's hard to imagine and see it from this perspective. But from God's perspective, that's why the author wants to make this so clear. These people have had this knowledge and they have somehow forgotten it. And he's bringing their mind back to it again and again and again. That from God's perspective, every single part of this is in his hands, in his care, in his plan and his providence. And will train us incrementally to becoming more and more his people. Regardless of what you face, what comes your way, in his hands he will use it. And it's actually very part of nature. It's amazing how sometimes, I know Fuzz could talk to this, a resident scientist, about how some things in nature just kind of, they're like an example of something that is also spiritual. And in nature, there's a, there's a concept that hardship produces fruitfulness. And, and the most recent example I'd like to give is Ron, I was in the garden yesterday planting the much-prized Orcas Island garlic. Uh, this stuff is huge, and what year did you buy it? 2012, she bought some garlic from this farm on Orcas Island, and on her father's farm in Washington, we've been keeping this thing going, and now we're planting it here. But the thing about garlic, which Rana learned, is for, for, in a place like this, in order for it to grow well, you have to chill it down. So that garlic's been sitting in our fridge for four months cold, dormant, and now it's in the ground, and there's a warmth in the soil, and things are going to start happening, and we will have buckets of delicious garlic. So without that process of in the dark, in the cold, it wouldn't happen. It's something in nature. It's like fires in the forest. There's a problem in our country where we all put every fire out. The native peoples of this uh, country, this land, they understood that fire was actually necessary sometimes. There are certain species of plants that without fire will not germinate and will not produce more seedlings. The fire just can feel like it's destroying, but it also can create and replenish and renew the land. It's like building muscles. As you can see, I'm really into that muscle building thing. <laughs> How you guys know, right? You know, it's interesting that actually to build muscle, it, it involves damaging your muscles. There's damage that happens when you exercise a bit more than you've exercised before. There's minuscule microscopic tears, and as they heal, you develop muscle. It's a process of growing stronger. One of my favorite songs 
uh, when, when I first came back to faith, and then I, I was part of the Columbia House uh, CD club, anyone else? <laughs> Buy one, get 13 free. <clears throat> and I bought just so many Christian CDs, because that was my, I was, I was just really wanting to fill my life with the sense of who God is, because I was, you know, coming out with some stuff, and I needed to have a sense of, you know, perspective about that. Uh, and one of the, my favorite CDs is by a woman called Sarah Groves, uh, incredible songwriter. And she wrote a song, which we actually did a sermon series kind of based a few years ago uh, on, on this song and this idea. And I'm just going to read the words to you, because this has always been encouraging to me in terms of when I understand that I have a good father, everything that I experience, there is a meaningfulness to it and a purpose to it. And if I can grasp that, I can continue to run. And she wrote this, it's been a hard year, but I'm climbing out of the rubble. These lessons are hard. Healing changes are subtle. But every day, it's less like tearing, more like building. Less like captive, more like willing. Less like breakdown, more like surrender. Less like haunting, more like remember. And I feel you here, and you're picking up the pieces, forever faithful. It seemed out of my hands, a bad situation, but you are able. And in your hands, the pain and hurt look less like scars and more like character. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, talked about something that I think we'll find familiar as we think about God and his, the sanctification, which is really just this transformation by the Holy Spirit, which is a hard thing to do. Learning is hard. He said, dozens of people go to him, God, to be cured of some one particular sin which, of which they are ashamed, like cowardice, or which is obviously spoiling daily life like bad temper. So we go, we say, oh, help me, Lord, with this thing that's such an impediment. Well, he will cure it all right, but he will not stop there. That may be all you asked, but if once you call him, he will give you the full treatment. This is why he warned people to count the cost before becoming Christians. Make no mistake, he says, if you will let me, I will make you perfect. You know, it's everything in life, um, who, who, who's in school right now? Okay, who was recently in school and can remember? Yeah, it's, it's the process of learning is taking a... a, a an individual who does not know certain things and then suddenly becoming someone who has, this is now part of their, themselves. It's a hard process. Uh, it's, it's a challenge and it's, a, it's growing is difficult. Um, if we're running this race, so we, we, the presence all we see, we don't see, like when you're, I remember looking at my list of classes I had to do for my degree in my 40s and I, I, I just, it was like a mountain. I was like, I can never do all those things. I just had to keep going. And then I'm like, why? Wow, I've got less classes to do, less classes to do. And, and you know, I'm like, but it was hard, hard stuff. But it really helped knowing that I believed God had called me to climb this mountain. And he was with me and with my family. God sees the big picture, you know, and he, he sees how he is using every single aspect of our lives for our well-being and our growth and all we see sometimes, we look down and see our tired hands and our aching feet. So we need to change our perspective. Because I think sometimes we are living like this. We're so stuck in the immediacy of life, especially when it's difficult. It's very hard. 
And so the author tells us that we have a third thing. We have a focal point. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It is really interesting and important to realize that he uses Jesus' human name, the name he was given by his parents as a child, the name he was known by from his friends. This is not fix your eyes on the exalted Messiah, the Christ who defeated the devil, etc. This is, fix your eyes on Jesus, the man. Fix our eyes on his eyes. Our eyes meet his eyes and we find kindness and we find recognition and we find empathy and we find love and support and invitation. And you can do this. The text calls him the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What does that mean? Pioneer, what is a pioneer? Anyone name any pioneers? Daniel Boone? Is he real? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I know I, I'm, I'm a little confused, you know. I might be taking the citizenship test at some point, so I really want to figure that out. Um, Neil Armstrong. Um, anyone else? Lewis and Clark. Huh? That'll be on the test. Oh, that'll be on the test, okay. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? Wow, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so, for, so basically it's kind of a, it's a first person. If you think about this, Jesus is the first human who walked this path. The first human to walk this path. Jesus was the first human to ever live fully by faith and experience every single thing that that would entail for them. He is the pioneer. He has gone through it all and he has made it. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He's also the perfecter. So the pioneer, the first one to go travel this road, he's traveled every road before us. He's also the perfecter, which is the one who brings it to completion. He perfects it. It mentions the race marked out for us. I love that concept. It reminds me of, you know, a road through the darkness and some light. Something to light our way, to show us we're on the right track. And God will do that for us. I pray this all the time for people. God, in their place of sorrow or darkness, please, Lord, tap them on the shoulder. Show them something. No matter what it is, give them some indication that you have not abandoned them. And time and time and time and time again, it has happened for me and for other people. In fact, I'm going to share in a minute that it happened this morning through one of my dear sisters if we will trust him, he will lead us safely home because he has already gone through and he will bring us there. Why did he do it? It says he endured all this for the joy set before him. What is that joy? I mean, we are his joy. We are his joy. He rejoices over us. You know, actually, Jesus' perfect joy meets in this place where God is fully glorified and we are perfected. That's where Jesus' joy is most full. 
where God is glorified and we are made new. So what are we fixing our eyes on? Well, what does Jesus signify? What is this person to whom we look, especially when things get difficult? Well, the first is he's proof of God's love. If you ever doubt it, look to Jesus. The second thing is the possibility of joy in the midst of suffering. He could offer us his joy even in the midst of suffering. He offers the reality of our righteousness. We are, there's no condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus. So we don't need to walk ashamedly down this track. We can walk with our heads held high, proud. His righteousness has been given to us and we are holy in him and being made holy. The greatest example, I think, ever of this idea of focusing on Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 14, when Peter, as we know, if you know much about Peter, was an impetuous chap who would jump all the time into all kinds of trouble. And I like that about him. But one of the times, they were out in a boat, and it was a bit stormy, and what they thought at first was an apparition, some kind of ghost came towards them, it was Jesus walking on the water. And Peter pipes up, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And come, Jesus said. There's an awful lot of meaning in that. Come to me. Come from where you are to where I am. Come through seemingly impossible circumstances, and I'm inviting you to come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter's doubt wasn't the end. Jesus brought him into the boat, and they encountered something about the faithfulness of God. When he said, why did you doubt? What did he mean? Well, it just meant, why did you doubt that my love for you, my ability to save you, my invitation. I said, come. But that's so human, isn't it? To see the wind and the waves. God understands that. The final thing uh, is this. We have a community. Amen? We're saying amen today. We have a community. Each one of our journeys is going to be different. That in and of, it, of itself is very hard. Because sometimes it feels like everyone's having a wonderful time except me. I don't mean me personally, but you know me generically, right? But we're all together. We're meant to be together, not alone, and all going in the same direction. The first verse said, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. This is an image of, like a, of a race, you know, and people cheering you on. The cloud of witnesses. And the word witnesses actually stands for the word martyr. It's martyrs in the original word. It's where we get the word martyr from. Is the same word for witness. It became to gain this meaning because for Christians, to be a witness was a difficult thing and often led to persecution. But it's really important to realize, as we just studied last week, that you, we are not the first people to do this. Jesus has gone ahead, done it, completed the race, and many, many have followed in his path. And you're not alone. Um, in Romans 15, it says, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we could have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. This stuff is there to remind us and show us that these imperfect people put their trust in God and he saw them through. Leaving, speaking, suffering, hoping, living. 
And Hebrews 11, it ended with this part. They, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. We are also part of this great cloud of witnesses. I'm a witness to your race. You're a witness to my race. All the ups and downs of what that means. We are witnesses to one another's race. You know, it says the race marked out for us. You know, we're not competing with each other. This is not a competitive race. This is a community race. We're all heading along this route together, and we want to make sure that no one is left behind. We need to slow down in order to do that, don't we? And listen and pray and be with each other. I want to show you this little YouTube video because I was thinking about what it means for a large group of people to move forward together. And it reminded me of the three-legged race. You know that thing? Do you do that in America? I only did Scottish three-legged races. You get tied together with a ribbon or whatever, and then you've got to run with your partner. And uh, it can be quite funny. Um, but I, was, I remember seeing this thing from the BBC where there was the World Guinness World Book of Records, you know, there's racing, people trying to beat this record of how many people all in a big row, <clears throat> you know, the 350-legged race, whatever. And I, so I was trying to find a, a video, and this, I think this is a beautiful picture of what the church should be like, ideally, as we all move together to this wonderful, jubilant arrival at the end of our course. Let's watch this thing. But I think often it's a bit more like this one. Right? That is, that's more like what it's like. Um, you know, the largest three-legged race is 768 pairs, and it was done in 2019. But because of Christ, because we have a good Father, because we are not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves and doing all the more as we see the day approaching, the largest group of people traveling together is the Church of the Living God in Jesus Christ. We are traveling forward together. We have a good track to travel along. It's hard at times, but we have a good father. We need to communicate with him, to check in, to be, to be attentive to our direction. Uh, and we, need to, we have a focal point. We need to look up. Look up. The one who has gone before us, who has walked this path before us, marks the path out for us and will perfect and bring us home. And we have a community, look around, make connections, be together. So I'm gonna close with a little story which is probably familiar to you. 
Um, but it's really, it's called the hare or the tortoise or tortoise. Yeah. So this is so weird. Talking of, uh, you know, when you do this kind of stuff, I, this, is part of the, this is part of my race, okay? God's called me to do this thing, and it's terrifying sometimes. And I rarely sleep on a Saturday night, and I've come to believe it's not just about me worrying how I look in front of all you people, because I actually don't care anymore. I'm willing to, you know, be a fool, whatever, right? But there's a spiritual thing going on, I have decided. Because no matter how prepared I feel, I have some hard nights on Saturday nights, and I think it's a bit of a battle. It's part of my race. Yours is different. Maybe God will call you to do something similar to this someday, or maybe it's just to talk to your neighbor across the road. It's all, come, all part of it, right? So I told about you, I'll tap on the shoulder and being reassured that you're on the right path. This morning, I was uh, just, you know, going around, and uh, Linda Ross, my dear sister here, came up to me and said, oh, pastor, I've got you a little something. I was down in San Diego, and I'd seen online she'd been visiting places down there, and, and there was this man, and he made these handcrafted little, little uh, turtles. And, and I thought, I'm going to get one for Melody, one for Stephen, one for, for uh, Grant. And uh, so she gave it to me, and, and she said, she said and my husband said, like, why are you buying them a turtle? What's the thing? And she said, she said because the turtle teaches us that you, slow and steady will win the race. And that's just like the Christian life, because you just, you've got to persevere and keep going. It's not about your speed. It's, it's getting there. You take your time, go. And I was just like, Linda... Are you kidding me? Because I, uh, my sermon is about close with a story, probably familiar to you, the hare and the tortoise. I don't think I need to tell you the story, but I mean, I will, right? You know the story when there's a, a hare and a tortoise, and the, the hare is boasting about how fast he is, and the tortoise is like, I could beat you in a race. And um, they both set out together, and the hare is so confident of his ability to run this race with his fine muscular legs takes a little nap. The guy got plenty of time. And quietly the tortoise slips by the hare. And by the time hare wakes up, tortoise is about to cross the finishing line and wins the race. And I think that's a really, really perceptive thing, especially now it's been confirmed by the Lord through my sister Linda. That take your time. It's not going to happen overnight. Take your time, but keep moving. Keep moving, take your time. There's a book by Eugene Peterson. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I love that. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Take time to stop. You can rest, smell the roses, not the poppies, because that's what happened to the Wizard of Oz person, right? Remember that you are God's precious child. You know, if you're a parent, you know the love, the fierce love you feel for your kids that you could do something really, really bad if anyone messed with your kids. I mean, you got this moment where you will just like, boom. God's love for you is so profoundly other than that. It is so beyond your imagination. This is the one who is with us in all of our situations that he will never allow us to come to harm. We ourselves are pretty good at coming to harm ourselves, but he's always gonna make a way for us. And don't do it alone. You know we're rethinking about what it means to be church, right? There's some broken things about the American church and how we understand what happens on Sunday mornings. You know, essentially, this is just one part of a larger experience of being in community in a diversity and unity around Christ by which we will grow. It's important to be together. 
So <clears throat> we're going to go to communion as a means of responding to this because this is also part of your race, that you come and with your movement and with these practical items of the cup and the bread, you declare that your trust is in your good father and you seek his nourishment and his strength and his power to keep on walking. And we do it together. This is a communal thing. I'm going to read, uh, before we, we do that, this song uh, by Van Casting Crowns. Just uh, ponder these words as you prepare to come and see, yes, to surrender, to getting up again, to walking forward, trusting in the one who loves you. I've been keeping Jesus at a distance, so afraid, afraid to let him get too close to the two lives I've been living as if he couldn't see them both. Close enough to feel the warmth of the fire, far enough for me to hide. But I'm tired of walking the wire between the darkness and the light. No more Jesus at a distance, no more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back road of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now because there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance can change every part of me every part of me. So our servers are in position uh, in your own time, come and take the bread and the cup and then we'll hold them together and we'll take it all together in a minute.
there's anyone needs served where they are, raise your hand and someone will come and serve you. What we remember when we do this is part of Jesus' race. In some ways, it was a, a moment of joy. I mean, it was a celebration of his people's freedom from slavery in Egypt. <clears throat> but for him alone, out of all the people that gathered there, it was also a moment of courage and fear and prayer, deep, deep prayer that night. But he did not shrink back. The pioneer continued on on that path for us. We take this bread in remembrance of him. Amen. And we take the cup to declare that we are indeed children of God, dearly beloved, sons and daughters of the King, forgiven cleansed and on the path, on the road, on the way toward him. Lord, fix our eyes upon you, Christ Jesus, our friend and savior. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for this body. Amen.